This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And here we are, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We are going to have a guest in just a moment. Uh, we are also taking calls out of uh, Clubhouse. And I'm um, watching everyone on Restream, making sure we're all sort of piling in right now. Uh, my guest today is Ryan Hartwig. He was a moderator at Cognizant. And during that time, he became concerned by some of the censorship rules uh, over at Facebook. He began sort of compiling and documenting what he was seeing for Project Veritas in his new book, is behind the mask of Facebook. We're going to talk to Ryan right now. Our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I want to give a shout out to our good friends at Blue Mics. If you've heard my voice on this show any time over the past year, including right now, you've been listening to Blue Microphones. And let me tell you, after more than 30 years in broadcasting, I don't think I have ever sounded better. But you don't need to be a pro or have a fancy studio to benefit from a quality mic. You may not realize it, but if you've been working from home or using Zoom to chat with friends, you probably spend a lot of time in front of a microphone. So why not sound your best? Whether you're doing video conferencing, podcasting, recording music, or hosting a talk show, Blue has you covered. From the USB series that plugs right into your computer to XLR professional mics like the mouse or the blueberry we use in the studio right now. Bottom line, there's a Blue microphone to fit your budget and need. I can't say enough about Blue mics, and once you try one, you will never go back. Trust me. To take your audio to the next level, go to drdrew.com blue. That is drdrew.com B-L-U-E. Anyone who's watched me over the years knows that I'm obsessed with Hydrolyte. In my opinion, the best oral rehydration product on the market. I literally use it every day. My family uses it. When I had COVID, I'm telling you, Hydrolyte contributed to my recovery, kept me hydrated. Now, with things finally reopening back around the country, the potential exposure to the common cold is always around. And like always, Hydrolyte has got your back. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity, my new favorite, starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients Plus, each single-serving easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy-to-pour sticks that rapidly dissolve in water, make a great-tasting drink, has 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink, uses all-natural flavors, gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy, or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolyte.com slash drdrew. Again, that is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash D-R-D-R-E-W. Be sure to use the code drdrew25 for a special discount. Welcome to the program. Website is ryanhartwig.org, H-A-R-T-W-I-G. 
So um, we just thought it was interesting on the heels of the uh, recent so-called whistleblower. And this is where I want to start our conversation, uh, testifying before Congress, uh, before Congress. What did you think of her testimony, her story? Yeah, so Frances Haugen uh, testified last week uh, before Congress, and she she also uh, did the 60 Minutes interview on CBS. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really didn't think that she's really too authentic, to be honest. Like this, here's someone who's worked in Silicon Valley her most of her, her adult life, and now she's saying Facebook wasn't doing enough like the other companies were doing to censor more content. So that was the gist of her of her message. Um, she she talked about how she lost a friend to basically on internet conspiracy theories. I know her friend didn't die; they just stopped being friends, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't really see how it's damaging Facebook asking for Facebook to censor more content. <laughs> So that's my my takeaway on that. So, so in other words, well, so what, how would your position uh, juxtapose to hers, let's say? Yeah, so my position is uh, Facebook is censoring too much content. Um, and what I found, my evidence that I found in my book is that they're censoring conservatives and they're censoring political speech. So I, don't, I wouldn't want people on the left to be censored either for their political speech. So they're, they're doing too much. They're, they're going out of, stepping out of bounds of Section 230. And so um, that's that's my it's my my conclusion is the direct opposite of hers. She's saying to censor more. I'm asking the Facebook to censor less content. Isn't isn't her sort of thrust to try to undo two thirty to to incur liability so people have to think about what they put? To, to, in other words, make things freer, but to put a put a certain amount of liability on what's published. I think uh, some of her stance and what she requests is that Congress take action and create some kind of a regulatory body that would oversee Facebook. Um, so mm-hmm. in general, I, I don't like the government being more involved in the internet in general. So, I mean, one of the common principles of the founding principles of the internet is that it should be decentralized, that it shouldn't be controlled by a single regulatory body or by the government. And so, you know, it, Really, Section 230, if it was interpreted correctly by the Supreme Court, the way it was written, it would be good. Um, but, you know, she Meaning even what? mentioned... What does, that, what does that mean? Yeah, In your just, opinion, what um, does that mean? It means that they should be able to restrict some content, um, but it, they shouldn't be able to uh, promote certain content. They shouldn't be able to produce or or boost certain content over other pieces of content. I mean, it, so, it, so section, yeah, yeah, I get you. It, but it sounds like you're you're essentially a libertarian, right? You you that I mean that's sort of the libertarian yeah. attitude about the internet, yeah. And but isn't it the case that true libertarianism can exist only because of markets? <laughs> markets are sort of the you know markets and law are sort of the the balance to you know with libertarianism becoming frankly anarchy. And why not? Why not? See, the one thing that's always bothered me about the internet is that people can say anything feeling at their liberty to say it with no no um it's the only place on earth i know that in in our reality that you can do anything you want to another person regardless of how it harms them with not incurring with no one nobody incurring any liability of any type yeah and and so those are some of the principle and so one principle that's related to that is from john stuart mills who's a philosopher so it's called mills harm principle and Facebook actually tried to incorporate some of this into their policies. I don't. I believe they removed it later, but uh, I we I did see that as part of their policies. So John Stuart Mill's basically the the Mill's harm principle is talking about 
if I say something to someone, uh, something mean, will actually what's the actual chance of of it, it causing real world harm? You know, what, is that going to lead to violence? So he he's of the opinion that most speech should not be restricted. So this whole idea of hate speech is kind of invented. I don't agree with that term at all. I don't I don't think hate speech is, doesn't even even exist. It's just a concocted uh, definition that they, they use to censor people. Um, but yeah, so there's John Stuart Mills, and then there's that whole, you know, if I if yelling yelling crowded in a uh, yelling fire in a crowded theater. Um, so there's right. which that case was disproven or was kind of was kind of moot. Um, so those are some principles, but but what I yeah what I found was more related to political speech. So Trump supporters receiving disparate treatment, um, the treatment of, for example, white trash. The phrase white trash at one point we deleted it while I was there. Facebook changed their stance and said no, white trash is okay. It's not it's not hate speech. So just kind of that double standard is what I analyzed in how Facebook treated uh, political supporters of Trump, Donald Trump. Is, are you generally, are you a liberal? Are you conservative? Are you a, a libertarian? Where do you sort of fall on the spectrum for yourself? Forget forget the internet. You don't have to tell yeah. if you don't want, by the way. I'm, yeah. I'm more conservative, but I, I definitely have some like libertarian tendencies. Um, I would say more mm -hmm. conservative. So like a, okay, so sort of libertarian right. There's a libertarian left too, right? I think I think I'm sort of on that side of things because I because whenever I see problems, I want the government to fix them. <laughs> and so that's not a true yeah. libertarian kind of. Uh, when I when I when I met some real libertarians and I realized, oh, I have a heart. Oh, but wait a minute, so I want to fix stuff. I worry about people. Yeah. And those real libertarians let let it, let it fly. I I am trying to remember the uh, the economic diathesis that Mills. This is a common economic construct, and I cannot. Well, in any event, uh, you know, Mills mm -hmm. was utilitarian, right? Uh, and he was brilliant. He taught himself Greek and Latin by the time he was four or six or something crazy like that. And he he was, uh, you know, an intellectual leader of his time. But, you know, his his alchemy is all about greatest good for the greatest number with least harm. And, and mm -hmm. you know, the, the reality is that things people say do harm them. They harm their their reputation they harm their ability to function in the world they i mean they make it i mean they really hurt people i, I heard john stewart the other day say that there's no such thing as uh cancel cancel culture i thought oh my god there are people losing their jobs every day they are harmed they're in even in russia back in the darkest hours of the of the soviet union most of how they exerted their power was economic they would they would if you didn't fall in line you would lose your job it was like old-fashioned ostracism from back in the greek democracies it, it's yeah. a really harmful dangerous profoundly impactful phenomenon and and now we're starting to see people kill themselves on the heel of it too which I, we've seen mm -hmm. but so to say that it doesn't have any impact on people in reality it's it's I don't. I don't know if I can say worse than yelling fire in, in a theater, but it has certainly a more sustained effect. If uh, if all you are is injured climbing out of a theater when uh, somebody yells fire, right? Yeah, and so there are ex examples. And, and as a content moderator, I was there for almost two years, and we, I deleted suicide statements. We, you know, I would cl click a button and send uh, resources to someone who was having suicidal statements. I would see imagery of cutting or slicing. 
really graphic imagery. And as a content moderator myself, I had to deal with the mental health aspect of being a content moderator and my coworkers as well. So we had a counselor on site, a psychiatrist and on site 24 seven, and we could call a number as well. So I was looking out for my coworkers because we were affected by seeing all the, the violence and the gore, um, cartel videos, beheadings, terrorist content. Um, but yeah, as, as users, I would see if a teenager is having suicidal thoughts or sharing something about weight loss. There was a hashtag like, like Thinspiration or Thinspo. We would delete that. But, but really what it comes down to, and, and part of Francis Haugen's testimony last week was, you know, Congress needs to do more to protect the, the children, Facebook to protect the children. But my question is, like, where are the parents of these children? I know the, the technology is new and it's it's hard to manage and regulate and to control to be safe for children, but the internet's never going to be safe for children. So I guess that, that was my, one of my takeaways was, okay, yeah, the government can do certain things to an extent. Maybe Facebook can do certain things to an extent, but, but primarily the responsibility falls with, with the, uh, with the parents of these children, these teenagers. Um, so can there be harm? Yeah, there is, har- there are harmful things. So those are the more extreme examples of things that I agree that should, you know, there should be a way to, for Facebook to have the, that authority delegated to them from Congress to be able to censor certain types of content. Definitely, you know, suicide. Well, is, is it authority or like any other publisher, should they accept the liability, the responsibility of being a publishing platform? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So, um, they, if they're promoting content and Francis Hagen talked about how there, there should be, what did she say? That, that there should be more quality content produced. Like they, Facebook should do a better job of creating quality content and they're not a quality content mm. creator. So um, right, they, they shouldn't, right. they shouldn't be creating, if they want to be an information, the, the law second two thirty talks about being an information content provider um, versus a servicer. So inter- interactive computer service, right and not an information content provider. So they are an interactive computer service. So, so they, if they wanted to be a publisher, they, they can, but they'd have to accept all that civil liability. So they probably wouldn't exist for very long. Um, I, I, so what happened with Section 230 is the courts in California misinterpreted or reinterpreted Section 230 and it gave Facebook more leeway. So it, the way they interpreted it means that the Good Samaritan provision doesn't apply to all parts of the law, which it was intended to. So that's what uh, Jason Fick, who sued Facebook um, in the last couple of years, his case went to the Supreme Court in January. He was hoping that the Supreme Court could reinterpret it and re- and make, make that Good Samaritan provision apply to every part of the law. So that's how they're getting away with some of what they're doing. So so yeah, the, you can, the suicide and, and that kind of harmful content, I view that very separately from censoring political speech. So if I say, if I call you a Trump humper or I call you a feminazi, Facebook has a double standard. So I, I view that very separately from things like suicide that, that clearly can be harmful. Well, I, I would argue, I, I, I'm not particularly comfortable with them censoring mental health content. I mean, we need to be identifying mental, we should be identifying people with mental health crises and referring them on to people, not censoring them. Uh, and why, yeah. why do we censor? We they don't censor people with other opinions about medical conditions online that could be very dangerous. But w- why mental health? I, I would I would take your argument straight over there. I mean, you're not used to deal. You know, they put a non non mental health professional overseeing it. You you this must have been very scary for you. But it, but for a professional, this this is all day every day. We, people are suicidal all the time, and and you you deal yeah. with it. You manage those ways to to help them. You don't 
silence them. That's the last thing you can do. That increases the probability they're going to go do something. Right. So how are their parents supposed to see it? They... Or, or maybe you can notify the parents. There would be, be a million creative solutions to things like that. You can get the National Institute of Mental Health involved. Get the National Institute of Mental, National Alliance for the Mentally Ill involved. Get, you know, there's a lot of things they could have done other than just censoring. So on right. one hand, I, I think yeah, I think this, and, and of course, when they censor things, they're going to do things within uh, bias because all cognitive processes are biased, right? And the, and the, and on a scale like that, the biases are going to become particularly evident when lots and lots of things are being adjudicated. And these, that's not yeah. their, they, they have, I mean, you as a cognizant employee have no, don't, what do you know about that? Why, why would they put you in that position? It's, it's irresponsible. It's like ridiculous. Uh, and so I agree with you that the the way in I'm which sure he they, did a great job. Though. No, I'm sure you did the best job you possibly could, but but they put you yeah, in, yeah. in a horrible situation. I mean, I I mean, it's just not it's it's like being a com in combat and not being trained to to tolerate combat. You you can't you when when you feel out of control like that, you know, and you're not or you either you either numb and you become numb to it and it just sort of doesn't mean anything to you. Or you feel horrible and out of control and 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 you know not able to manage it and it's both are bad. Um, so all right, so so I, I on one hand I'm sympathetic to your doctrine here that uh, less less uh, uh, can't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for guys censorship, censorship. less Thank censorship you. less censorship is 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 uh, a good goal, but I feel like if they had some skin in the game. They would do a much better job of what they do do. In other words, if you could say, "Oh, that kid killed himself," I can hold Facebook accountable for that. that they were uh, really completely. In a, well, who, who advised them to do it the way they did? Why did they? Why did they do it that way? If they're going to censor it, who did they consult to determine what their what their policies were? And, and so, yeah. and then again, the inequity, the inequality, or the lack of evenness with which it would be applied, I'm sure, was just you know all over the place. So. Uh, why not put some of the liability of maybe not all the what well, you called it the civil liability of uh, being a publisher, but why not some liability or at least liable some liability to the people that provide the content? Maybe not directly to Facebook. Maybe the content providers themselves have some responsibility for the things they say and share. Right. No, I think I think uh, I agree with you in some regards. So. Um... Like, like thinking, thinking about Section 230, okay, so there's this law and, it's, and Facebook is using it to be able to have this platform and not get sued, right? But when have we ever seen any, any consequences from misdeeds? When Facebook is screwed up, right. which they've screwed up a lot, have there been any consequences? So I think that's the whole idea of some kind of a regulatory board, kind of like an F, FCC, but for Facebook. And I may be able to get on board with that. Um, Jason Fick, who... who is a Section 230 expert. He, he believes that that could be a solution, creating a regulatory board. Because Facebook right now, they're acting kind of like a de facto government agency anyways. I mean, you're having, right. uh, you know, Jen, Jen Psaki saying they're flagging content and giving it to Facebook for review. So um, maybe having right. some kind of oversight wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, and and let's just, be clear, they get money and tax breaks too. So they are, they are, in they're in collusion with the government and then taking direction from the government. So that that's that's a concern. So if you had a magic wand, you know, your friend I see has one solution, but what would you do? What, what does your book tell us? If you had a magic wand that could solve the problem in Facebook, what would that look like? Yeah, so if I had a magic wand, I could to, to solve this problem. I mean, I think the biggest issue, and I mentioned this in my book, is, is antitrust. I mean, just looking at the sheer magnitude, the sheer 
volume uh, and size of these companies, Facebook and Google together. It's more, it's not just, a, it's not just a monopoly, it's a duopoly. And so I think antitrust would have been the best solution, just kind of cut these companies down to size, make them break, break up, you know, split Facebook and Instagram. So that would be the ideal solution. I don't know how feasible that is, but of course, if I had a magic wand, that would be the first solution. Um, cut, cut these companies down to size using antitrust. The next solution would be just having, you know, for, forcing the Supreme Court, and we, I know we can't force them, but forcing them to, uh, to <laughs> interpret it the correct way. Um, <laughs> Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Hoping they interpret it the correct <laughs> way. And what job, would that look right? like? What is, what is the correct What is the correct way? Um, as I mentioned earlier, just that, so that the good Samaritan provisions apply to every part of the the uh, the statute. I, I'm um, not sure I, you it, said that. I'm not sure I understand what that means. Explain to people what you mean by that. Yeah, so um, there's a I don't have the law pulled up right now, but there's there's section two thirty C two and C one, and um, the way it was interpreted by the Ninth Circuit Court in California, basically interpreted it so that they don't have to be a good Samaritan for certain parts of the law. Um, so that that's my that's my understanding of it. That basically it gave Facebook additional protect shielding or protection where they didn't have to act, be good, I guess, act in, in the, our best interest. Um, so, but at this point, honestly, so the, the Section Two Thirty is the the Communications Decency Act, right, from nineteen ninety six. But here right. we are, like right. almost twenty five years later, and so much has changed with the digital revolution, right. I would right. be against crafting some new legislation, but my only concern is when you have people on the left in control who are actively censoring, who are already actively censoring um, content. We had Senator Cory Booker ask, request that the Facebook, you know, do something about Trump, and then a month later he was banned from Facebook. That's my only concern right now is crafting legislations when you have these legislators in the in the pocket of Facebook. That that could be an issue, right? So I, as I sort of listen to your solutions, it's just essentially, it's a problem of excess concentrated power. That's the bottom line here, right? Isn't that the, the root Correct. cause, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's because there's so much power and it's so new, it's not, we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to regulate it. We don't know what the best solution is. We all have a sensitivity to free speech. We all wish there could be a libertarian diathesis uh, on the internet. That was the intent of it. Turns out people aren't so aren't so good all the time. <laughs> don't do what they're supposed yeah. to do, or hurt other people, or or not equity. You know, not uh, don't adjudicate with great equity. And yeah, no no surprise. Let let me take a um, a question here and see if uh, if anybody wants to ask you anything. If, uh, if if you're not asking Ryan a question, um, you know, this is I'll, I'll, I'll address other questions later once I let Ryan go. But if this is specifically about Ryan and his experience over at Facebook. Uh, we're doing this because of having been on the heels of the congressional testimony. Uh, and let's see. I'm going to try to call Chuck Chuck up. Chuck. All right. As usual, I have. I have. Uh, Clubhouse doesn't come directly up. Oftentimes, it takes a minute. And I was I was actually a guest on somebody's Clubhouse today, and I realized it is it's a little clumbersome if you're trying to come up and speak at the podium. There's a lag. But you know what they do is they get a bunch hey, of people up. There's and Chuck. They... Hey, Chuck. You hear me? I hey. hear you now. Hey there. Yeah. Hey there. So, um, uh, uh, thanks. I, my really question is, uh, uh, two pieces. And I, th I think you, you know, reiterated a couple of these things, but doesn't section 
by the fact that they go ahead and make changes to people's posts, meaning flagging their posts, doesn't that make them a publisher? And, and doesn't that mean that then Section 230 should not apply to them? And, and this, I think, what Chuck is bringing up is sort of kind of, I, I, I was sort of tilting my hat at that direction as well. I'm sure you heard me kind of going that way. Because I, I feel like they, it, if they're not publishers, they at least have some of the responsibility of publishers. And, and maybe we're too narrow in how we define a publisher. And Chuck is pointing out that, you know, they're, they're editorial, they're, they're, they're editorializing essentially by directing our attention one way or another, moving things up the page, whatever it might be. You disagree? Um, yeah. And there, that, so that is my point. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Uh, they, yeah. So they, they can't p pick or as a, they're not a, in their law that there's another term called access software provider. So they're not allowed to pick, choose, analyze or content or, or prioritize content. Um, so, so yeah, if they're, if they're singling content out in you could argue that they are promoting it in a way. Um, how that's is, that's a really good point. How is, how, and it's also another point, which is, how is removing content qualitatively different than moving content in, into a, a higher position? It, it's it's just it's a valence issue. It's the same function. One is a negative function, one's a positive function, but it's doing the same thing. It's changing the content and moving it about. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like an it's like a sin of omission versus commission. Yeah. <laughs> that uh it's it's not it's even it's even more explicit than that it's it's going right versus going well it's going up versus going down we're still moving we're still in movement when we do this uh chuck anything else well i mean so the quite the other question i have is internally to facebook i mean generally i believe most people have good intentions and increasing communications i think always helps bring people together so you know, the, the points that you made about are there any programs that they're planning or were they discussing to go out and help people? Right. You know, like, right. like you said, you know, if, you know, I would think in my mind that there would be something to, I, there would be plans to make sure you identify people that are sort of, that are, that are actually posting things. That's they're, they're the publisher. So that way you have a valid publisher, someone to act upon. And then, like you're saying, the suicidal piece, or just not even suicidal, just the the, the general piece to help the well-being of people. Right, and let's Chuck, let's even hang up, shine a brighter light on your point, which is there are apps that do that. Why can't Facebook do that? There are lots of apps that do that same kind of thing. Why can't they partner with do the same thing, whatever it might be? Why did that? Why do they go to censorship and run away as opposed to take the the responsibility? Not even responsibility, just do do what's right. Yeah, like there's apps like uh, even for watching watching movies, there's an app called VidAngel that edits out the obscene words, the curse words from a movie. So you can watch an entire movie without any curse words. And there were some lawsuits against them for a while. And in growing up, actually, I grew up in a very religious community. And there was a guy who I knew growing up with who had a video store who did that, who took videotapes and he edited out the curse words to sell it to the, the market, the religious people growing up here. And uh, he got sued by Hollywood. So finally, they, they won some lawsuits. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so something similar for Facebook where you can just install a filter I, I, or have some kind I, of I'm not even filter. talking about that. I, I'm talking about 
interventions and referrals for the mental health stuff that you were silencing. Oh, there, there are yeah, apps yeah. for that kind of thing. I'm saying it's it's all over. It's it's what that's what people are always trying to do is sort of not automate so much as make a make a seamless product where people can use the internet or the electronic media to to get help and to be identified and referred on and as opposed to silenced, which to me, you can't imagine how that sounds to me. It, it sounds wild that, that you take a suicidal person and you put them over there. <laughs> that, that'll fix them. Yeah. That'll work. Uh, we, we don't want anything to do with that. I mean, that, that's where I would start my lawsuit right there. If I were, if I were taken on Facebook, um, I think it looks like Jason has some skin in the game on this topic too. I'm going to bring Jason up to the, to talk to you let's see what he's jason oh. hi there yeah I, uh, a friend of mine is actually in this group and had called me and said my name was mentioned ryan it's so uh, it's jason <laughs> good to talk to you buddy this is, this is jason fick this is jason fick the... yes yeah this is jason Great. yeah i heard you talking about it. i thought i might be able to expand a little bit on some of the things you were talking about um go ahead please so Ryan and I have been in touch and Zach Voorhees and a lot of the other whistleblowers uh, for a long time now. We've sort of uh, looked into it deep into Facebook and just for background with everyone, um, I have been in litigation against Facebook since 2018. Uh, we took it all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court kind of failed us and uh, didn't hear the case. It was, it was just kind of amazing. Um, Although our case actually turned around because a lot of people were talking about antitrust mm -hmm. and, and Ryan was mentioning the antitrust and antitrust is, is, is already there, believe it or not. Um, and I wanted to tie together what he was saying about the good Samaritan, right? right. A lot of people know because they, a lot of people think that it's 26 words. It's not, um, realistically what we're being told by many, 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 many people out there, including tech attorneys and everything else like that is wrong. It's, it's, we've been in this for literally years. So there, there's some fundamentals here that people need to know. Section 230C, the very first thing, it says protection for good Samaritan blocking and screening of offensive materials. And anybody that thinks they know about it, I ask them a very simple question. Why are there quotes on good Samaritan? Nobody ever knows. There's a real reason for it. Um, good Samaritan is what's called an articulated intelligible principle. Effectively, what happens is in administrative law, when Congress lays down any kind of law like Section 230, it has to come with an intelligible principle, meaning the foundational, easily understood, and the reason it's in quotes is because it's articulated. It's right there. Now, most people have no idea why Lemon versus Snapchat or Enigma versus Malwarebytes beat Section 230. There's a reason. The fundamental thing that has never been asked by these courts, and because remember, everybody, California is the only courts handling this. It's not, it's not being done anywhere else. In fact, uh, the Doman case, which was a Second Circuit case, they just moved it away from 230. 230 is no longer involved in it. So because they don't want to end up with a circuit court conflict, which is what would push it to the Supreme Court. So the point of this is, is that Good Samaritan is your first question. Did they act as a Good Samaritan? In the case of Snapchat, they were negligent, like blatantly negligent. They, they ended up killing somebody, basically. This is about, now the, the Snapchat part is about the drug distribution, right? No, Lemon versus Snapchat was the, I believe, was the one, the app where the faster you get going, 
the more pictures or the more um, reward pictures and so forth. I, I have less experience with that one because it's less pertinent to my case. But Enigma, uh, they actually, uh, this is a direct quote out of Enigma, and it said, and this is very pivotal here, they said the Good Samaritan provision of the Communications Decency Act does not immunize blocking and filtering decisions that are based upon an anti-competitive animus. If Congress and everybody else is right, that you can be a publisher and do whatever you want, well, that wouldn't stick because that would be a publisher function. So there's a conflict going on. And the reason is, is because the courts have simply overlooked the basic principle. And where Ryan and I have been working very hard, matter of fact, uh, he's one of the people I speak to a lot. Um, and you got to go read his book. Good stuff, right? It's, we are about to challenge it the way that it should have been done in the first place. So I'm going to give all of your audience kind of an insight that nobody knows. Because I was essentially denied a day in court, I never got one. I mean, I didn't even get oral arguments. It was pathetic. These courts don't want to give you process, right? Your due process. And a lot of people don't realize that administrative law is where they can restrict something of yours. And it's right in the law. It says 230C2A says that they can restrict your materials. Well, that's your liberty, your property. So... There is a, a definitive line between what a private entity can do under the First Amendment, sure, but they still have the duty of the restriction. It's what's called agency authority. Who's they? And meaning the Congress, when Congress wrote it in 1996. They said, they said that these private entities can essentially have agency authority. And we dug and we dug and we dug. And, and I finally, and actually, I, I read some of it to you. Um, this is where it's all going to come down. And this, this is a Fifth Amendment constitutional challenge that's going to be coming now. But this is a, there's a case, it's called, uh, you know, because everybody's looking at Section 230 case law. This is not Section 230. This is a Fifth Amendment case. This is Carter versus Carter coal mining. It was a case that, and, I, and I've, this is coming from something where I've substituted the, uh, the proper names in the case for what it does with social media. It says, uh, the Carter versus Carter coal mining case, Justice Sutherland delivered the opinion, quote, the power conferred uh, upon the provider, which would be the service provider, is in effect the power to regulate the affairs of the unwilling user. This is legislative delegation in its most obnoxious form. Hmm. Section 230, in this case, does not confer to an official or an official body, presumptively uh, disinterested, but to private persons whose interests may be often are adverse to the interests of others in the same business. For example, my case. The difference between operating an interactive service in this circumstance or an advertising service and regulating by like restricting its production materials is, of course, fundamental. The former is a private activity. The latter is necessarily a government function. So it's split, right? Mm -hmm. Since it is the very nature of things, one person may not be entrusted with the power to regulate the business of another and especially of a competitor and a statute which attempts to confer such power undertakes an intolerable and unconstitutional interference with personal liberty and private property. The, the de delegation is, a uh, is so clearly arbitrary and so clearly a denial of rights safeguarded by the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment. So, so what would the outcome of that case, what would you be hoping for in the outcome of that case? So where we sit right now is, is that we've 
essentially because they done, denied me due process, it grants me the standing to bring a due process claim against the United States, meaning I don't have to fight in California anymore. I'm actually, I'm a resident in South Florida, so I can bring a case in Southern District of Florida and bring it, bring it all the way up through the Fifth Amendment, you know, Fifth Amendment case. Um, and you'll end up with what's called a tribunal, essentially three judges come in and we first have to notify the governor and the attorney general of the state to see if they want to put up opposition. Of course, and, that's, and what was your original case? Again, I've lost track of now your original case. My original case was Fick versus Facebook. And it was an anti-competitive case. We asked the courts, can they commit anti-competitive behavior? They wiped my, my business out, um, you know, somehow claiming my content was offensive. And then four months later, I went to a competitor who did bigger business. And I said, hey, can you guys see if you can get my stuff back? And Facebook came back to them and said, no, we're not going to do it for him. But if you own it, we'll do it for you. So I sold it to them. And sure enough, it somehow no longer violated the community standards and all of the content was restored. Meaning on its face, we proved it had nothing to do with content, had to do with the value of the company. Mm. They wiped me out because I just wasn't valuable to them. Mm. Interesting. And so the problem is for many people, and, and what I would say is it is not Section 230. The problem is actually the courts. They don't know how to read. I mean, if you read the language, uh, Brian was actually talking about development. Most people don't know that it says that if, if they're responsible in whole or in part, meaning insignificantly for the creation, we know that one. What about development? That's modification. When they identify content, send it over to a fact checker to get it basically laundered and sent back, that's development. But the courts turned in part, which is insignificant, into material contribution, which it doesn't say, which means significant involvement. So it's the courts of the problem. It, it, what if the legislators get ahead of this? I mean, it, feel, it felt like during the testimony that there was unanimity of desire to do something. Uh, can, well, can they get ahead of this? So what we come to realize right now is because this is starting to seep out through lots of different channels, because if you dig into what we're doing here, it's right. Like it, it is unconstitutional under the amendment when you break it all down. And I have broken it all down because, of course, we're, that's what we're doing. Um, you know, the only people that are putting up opposition to me, which is just kind of interesting, is Congress. Because they want to always make more bills, more regulations, more everything. And I'm sitting there going, and I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I spoke with Matt Gates over the weekend and he told me, and, and this was amazing. He said to me that section, I'm going to have a hard time proving that it grants agency authority. Well, cases have literally said that, right? So, I mean, I, it's not going to be hard to prove. And then, you know, after he get, got through all this, I said, well, it doesn't really matter. I said, because I don't need Congress. In this. We're challenging the law. And if Congress tries to get ahead of it and change bills, it won't matter. A private entity at its core cannot regulate another private entity. It's, it's fundamentally wrong under the non-delegation doctrine of the Constitution. It's a, it's, as they said, it's a most obnoxious form of delegation. Mm. And so, so what, what that, Francis Haugen, Ryan, go ahead. So what Francis Haugen is asking Congress to do is different than the outcome of what your case would be. Right, Jason. So, so she's right. asking Congress to take like action. To yeah. So she's asking for a regulatory board and Jason is asking for a, a constitutional 
uh, solutions? Well, if you if you want to now, I'm sure you'll somebody will think I'm a conspiracy theorist on this one. But if you consider that we hinted at this in a motion 60B that we were coming the due process route, one of the fundamental problems with this as a Fifth Amendment challenge is that there is no congressional oversight. It right. it doesn't exist. Right. And because of that, that's why it's unconstitutional under the Fifth. And what will the what will, any so what will, that they're trying and, to get it? And so what will happen as a result of this? What, 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 well, that's just it. That's what I'm saying is if they're trying to get that oversight because without it, it can actually be revealed. They're desperate but to but get if it. You win, Jason, like when you win, something, when you win Jason, what, what's the impact? Yeah, what's the impact of you winning a constitutional challenge like that? So on a constitutional challenge, you only have, like, you only challenge the pieces that are unconstitutional. But what, what's the um, impact, though? What, what's the, what are the, you're getting into a, a lot of legal weeds that most people aren't, aren't going to be able to, be able no, to follow. No, no, or no, no, and, and so they, they just want to know, how is this going to affect them? How, how am I, what no, am I going to no, say? I, I fully understand. Yeah. But what I was saying is, is that there's only one to be one piece that really is unconstitutional, and that's one piece of law the part where they restrict you, okay? So the part where they're not responsible for what somebody else did is still going to remain there. That's what I'm saying. That that will stay because that's not unconstitutional. That just says, well, you can't be held accountable for what somebody else did. Mm. Now they're going to have to fix the language, but that's a different issue. So it's essentially going to take them, their, their, their ability to alter and censor restrict. content will be taken away. Restrict content will be taken away. Yes and no. What will actually have to happen for it to be what they call constitutionally sufficient, because the courts, the, I won't even get into legal reasons, but basically what will have to happen is this. And Ryan touched on this, is that an independent or official regulatory body, you heard some of that in Carter versus Carter Coal Mining, Florida gave you, an official regulatory body like the FCC, the SEC, right. they have to be elected officials under, or and if they're not an elected official, it has to be an official regulatory body because they're given all sorts of guidelines, like the APA, like all of the things. So that would actually have to be set up. I mean, it would be effectively the FCC for the internet. And then right. okay. the regulations are set yeah. up so universal. You, I get it. And so you end up in sort of the same place that uh, the, I, I'm blanking on her name every time we bring it up, the, the woman that testified in front of Congress. Francis. To write it down. Francis what? Francis. <laughs> Uh, Haugen, H-A-U-G-E-N. Haugen. Yeah. 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 So Francis, you had it in the same place that she seems to be sort of wanting things to go. Well, uh, Jason, thank you for stopping by here. I'm going to move you back to the audience. We appreciate uh, yeah. good, good luck with this. It feels like, you know, and my son who went to law school is always telling me the same thing, that that it's the courts that is going to solve all these things, not, not legislation, all probability. Do you agree with that, Ryan? Yeah, I think the courts can be a stumbling block for... For our republic right now, and I, I think it's funny when they, you know, they always say save our democracy. And even Frances Haugen said in her testimony that Facebook should save society and save our democracy. But we're a constitutional republic, which, most, as a libertarian, most people would point out to you, we're not a democracy per se, because uh, it's not mass right. mass rule. But uh, but yeah, right. there's some different solutions there. And actually, Frances Haugen this week, she's going to talk to the Facebook Oversight Board. So I'm curious to see what she tells them. Um, but I'm, I'm actually sending copies of my book to, to members of the oversight board as well. She's going to talk to legislators in, in the European Union. I've talked to, to a, legislator, a legislator in Argentina, and he's basically like, you know, hey, if I, have an, if I have an issue with Facebook, 
there's no local Argentina office of Facebook. They're, you know, overseas. So it's kind of hard to get in touch with them. But uh, it's definitely, yeah, the courts are definitely a, a problem. Are, are any other countries challenging things in an effective way, in a way that might lead to change? I think there are some countries that are, you know, kind of stepping up to, um, stepping up to Facebook France and not letting them aren't bully they? them. Isn't, isn't France, France I believe. I, I heard that, yeah. Uh, France, I believe, I, I believe they're taking actions. I know Hungary, Hungary and Poland uh, had a lot of censored because they were standing up against the European Union and against all the immigration. And a lot of, there was a lot of going on with conflict with those countries. But uh, yeah, I think each country should take a stand against Facebook because I, I was also moderating content in Latin America. And just this is a quick example. There was a post. This is when Juan Guaido was trying to do the revolution against um, Maduro in Venezuela. And um, yeah, and so I saw a post that said, you know, hey, we're going to delete this post about an armed revolution. So people literally saying, you know, take let's take up our arms against the, the government. And Facebook is saying delete that post. So it just goes to show the impact, the amount of influence that Facebook has. I'm deleting posts uh, about someone, you know, trying to have a revolution in their country. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's insane how much power Facebook has. And is, I'm imagining there's a similar phenomenon at, you know, Snapchat and Twitter and other places, or at least in terms of the centralized power. Yeah, I would say so. And, and uh, I feel like they copy from each other's playbooks. Um, I'm very familiar with Facebook's internal policies. I studied it for two years. It's very, it's legalese. So I kind of felt like a paralegal uh, applying these, you know, each specific situation and applying the law to it. But for example, you know, Alex Jones was deleted the same day across the board, you know, across all the social media platforms. And it was like an emergency update for Facebook. So definitely some coordination there. And are, are there, you say it's predominantly on the right, Is are there any voices on the left being silenced that are advocating dangerous things? I believe there are some. So they, they have their hate figure list. And of course, there's people on there like like Tommy Robinson and Gavin McInnes who were on the hate figure list. Uh, I believe they added Louis Farrakhan to that list as well uh, for his his viewpoints. So there's a few people on the left who, who, who have been censored. Um, and, and I give credit to Facebook. I'm, I try to be fair as, as fair as possible. So Facebook at one point, at one point, if you said, keep Canadians out of the United States, that would be considered hate speech. And they, Facebook changed that and allowed for more speech. So if you're talking about uh, politics or immigration, they allow that phrase or the phrase Muslims did 9-11. You're not really generalizing. You're talking about a specific event. You're not saying all Muslims are terrorists, which would, would be deleted for hate speech. But at one point, Facebook deleted Muslims did 9-11, and they changed that to allow that phrase, which I, I agree with, because if you're just talking specifically about 9-11, factually, yes, there were Muslims from you know Saudi Arabia who, who did commit that. Well, I'm going to interrupt you. Let, so, let's let's take, yeah. take that particular example. Who's, how does that work? What, is there AI looking at it? Is, it? is there a room of... Google, you know, of, of uh, Facebook executives? Is it programmers? Is it political consultants? Is it international theorists? I mean, who's making these decisions? I mean, what's the process? Yeah. Um, so it came from up on high. So our, our, our client was Facebook and basically they just decided um, 
Who's the, who, the who? Did Mark Zuckerberg do, it, looks at the, the list every day and he and he decides? Is it a is there a committee at Facebook that's always looking at there, these things? I mean, it seems so bizarre. Yeah, there's a committee. There's a policy team at Facebook headquarters in San Francisco that oversees these decisions. Um, it's very nuanced, um, but um, like, and, and I remember one example where they they changed. So they changed their bullying policy, and, or I think it was the, was the phrase "white trash" or "attacks on cops." And they the only the only rationale for changing it was because of how the term is used in the North American market. So they really don't have to give too much explanation or justification. But it's this small group of people at Facebook headquarters that are making these global policy decisions because the policy do they, we do use they was have global. some sort of do they have a a, a policies and procedure manual a, a bible that they follow of, of philosophical sort of guidelines or is it just again four people in a a conference room yeah i mean for example like uh, i think it's just four people in a conference room making decisions we would we would have our supervisors communicate with them and do teleconference and we would give them feedback so they changed their global policy based on our feedback regarding credit card scams so people are doing like carding and selling credit cards online so we said, "Hey, they're using these these code words in Spanish, and we know we know what they're, what they're talking about." So they finally, after like eight months, they updated their policy so we could finally delete these code words for for credit card fraud. Mm. Um, Weird. Uh, what What do you want people to learn from your book? What will I learn when I read it? I think well, uh, to begin with, since you're a mental health professional uh, and you deal with that um, a lot, I think. The main thing is just how 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 divisive and how dangerous this content can be. Um, so, as a content moderator, you know, I had to I had to go to counseling on multiple occasions to deal with all the content. So it gives you just a really great perspective mm -hmm. into what we go through. Mm -hmm. So if there's any way to optimize that or or make it better, better experience. And then the second takeaway is just how much how many exceptions Facebook made, how much political content they censored and tracked because they were tracking that constantly. I personally raise up many, many trends, political trends regarding Boogaloo or Civil War, purely political um, themes, and Facebook spent a lot, great deal of energy focusing on those political themes. Well, we've sort of heard this before from uh, people that have worked at Facebook. I mean, this is not your, you know, it's, it's clearly not, uh, you know, spurious what you're, what you're reporting or what you've seen. It, it seems to be a pervasive uh, phenomenon in, in all aspects of what they're doing there. And I, I'm sure they, much as Francis Haugen said, I'm sure they think they're doing the right thing. I, I don't, I don't believe they have evil in their heart, but, um, there's a, I think it was a famous, is it Stoics? Some philosopher said, you know, um, I forget who said it, but, uh, evil is almost always done by people believing they're doing good. Right. Yeah, and then the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So that's another right. Right. key idea. Well, key listen, phrase, I'm going to take some yeah. general questions now. I, yeah, I appreciate you stopping by here. We will get the book. We'll read the book. I recommend that you do so as well so we can all stay. It's it's behind Ryan there, the the and it's behind the mask of Facebook. It is behind Ryan <laughs> on the picture there. There it is. Behind the mask of Facebook, a whistleblower's shocking story of big tech, bias, and censorship. And uh, we will certainly keep an eye on, uh, was it Jason? Uh, Jason's progress. Jason Fick, right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, Jason. Yep. And Jason. his story, and I hope, I hope it's something we can uh, follow in the press.
But Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. And um, if people want to get more, it's uh, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, Hartwig, H-A-R-T-W-I-G.org. And we're going to take a little break. I'll be back with uh, some more general calls and comments. Here with my daughter, Paulina, to share an exciting new project. Over the years, we've talked to a ton of young people about what they really want to know about relationships. It's difficult to know who you are and what you want, especially mm. as a teenager. And not everyone has access to an expert in their house like I did. Of course, it wasn't like I was always that receptive to that advice. Right. No kidding. But now we have written the book on consent. It is called It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward, and it explores relationships, romantic relationships, and sex. It's a great guide for teens, parents, and educators to go beyond the talk and have honest and meaningful conversations. It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward will be on sale September 21st. You can order your book anywhere books are sold. Mm -hmm. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, and of course, your independent local bookstore. Links are available on drdrew.com. So pre-ordering the book will help people, well, raise awareness, obviously, and it'll get that conversation going early so more people can can notice this and spread the word of positivity about healthy relationships. So if you can, we would love your support by pre-ordering now. Totally. And as we said before, this is a book that both teenagers and their parents should read. Read the book, have the conversation. It doesn't have to be awkward. On sale September 21st. And we are back. Thank you all for joining us. We're going uh, back getting calls on Clubhouse. And uh, I'm calling up somebody whose name I can't pronounce because I don't know where you're nitty. Am I getting that right? Hey, Dr. Drew. Yes, it's nitty like nitty gritty. Fantastic. When it's uh, on the uh, on your picture here, I can't tell where your first name ends and your, your last name begins. So, so nitty. <laughs> thank you. What's going on? Hey, so thank you so much, Dr. Drew. It's, um, I've been uh, following you for many years and this was a great conversation. You know, I, I had a, a question actually, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, a therapist in the mental health field myself. And we know that Facebook has had a ton of disinformation mm -hmm. from a medical standpoint, mm -hmm. particularly in regards to the vaccine. And of course, Facebook has, you know, some, some culpability there and uh, a responsibility to be monitoring the content that's being uh, posted on their platform. But I was curious to hear from your perspective as somebody who also, you know, falls under a governing body, um, like I'm under the, uh, a, uh, like the American Social Work Board. We all have boards that are governing us. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's a role for the boards that are governing different um, medical providers that are putting out there this disinformation that is actively causing harm? Well, Just was curious to hear your the, thoughts. The, the boards have, the medical boards have been stepping in when people have been way in, on, out of line. The problem with medicine is that people that have strong opinions one way or another usually end up being wrong. Uh, and so people that have a, equally strong opinions that, you know, everybody over the age of five should be mandated for vaccines, that's also an extreme position that may have some, like, some problems associated with it. We don't know. So for the board to step in... Uh, Boy, that, that's a tough putt for them. Uh, there has to be a complaint. And then the, you know, in, in medicine, you provide published literature to substantiate your position. And so uh, Scott Jensen, who is a family practitioner of 25 years, was uh, twice in front of the board for really spurious stuff. And so the problem is it, it, starts, it starts bleeding into people that aren't actually uh, making outlandish opinions. And people can put anybody in front of the board for anything. And it uh, becomes abusive very, very quickly. So it's, it's a, for them to be doing, I'm not sure it's a hard, 
are I, I'm glad I'm not sitting on the um, board of medical quality assurance trying to make those sorts of decisions. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up some really uh, salient points because I do believe, you know, it, it can become a slippery slope really quickly, right? But, Where but, it becomes like it's, censorship. But it's, uh, no, not censorship. It's it's encumbering people's licenses. Their ability to practice their profession is aborted. They can't practice. And they have to spend hundreds of hours building a case in front of the medical board. And usually physicians have a reason for the opinions they hold. It may be wrong, but if they can substantiate their opinion, then the medical board can't really do anything. It's that person's concerted opinion based on 50 citations. And by the same token, if it's an abusive, nonsensical, uh, uh, spurious uh, allegation, the doctor has to go through the same procedure. In the meantime, his or, his or her license can be encumbered. It's it's a deeply troubling uh area it's a deeply problematic I, I, unless mm. they come up with some way of monitoring something different than their usual process which is which is um prone to abuse prone to abuse that makes sense yeah. absolutely well and so you know something that you had mentioned earlier just as a follow-up in regards to you know on facebook that that people that were suicidal yeah. were kind of pushed aside right yeah. resources weren't provided yeah um you know, you mentioned some automation of that. Is AI a potential solution where certain keywords, phrases sure, like end my life? People are doing that, yeah. of course. And the question is, what do we do with it? I, I don't have a strong opinion about how you manage it, but I, I, when he was saying that we just sidelined it, like that did not seem like the right thing to me to do. At least, <laughs> no. at least provide some resources or try to connect. I, I think, you know, when you identify from, from your and my standpoint, if we were interacting and something like that came before us, we would have an obligation to follow it through. We would have yes. an obligation. Whenever I've been on a phone call or something and somebody is suicidal, I call the local authorities. I do a wellness check. I send the cops in. I keep them on the phone until you just, this just comes with the territory. You have to do that. And, um, but uh, I was I was thinking again about this um, censorship thing. Wait, I had a strong idea, and now, now it escaped me again. My, my stupid brain has been my working memory as I've gotten older to hold something in mind while I'm talking to you about something else has become uh, challenging. Uh, all right, I'm going to think of it after I, I let you off. It was something to do with the with the. Oh, I know what it is. Is that most? This is something you wouldn't know. Most of what you see on social media that's viral about something somebody said is not what they said. So, so people will be held accountable for misinformation that is not misinformation, or it may not be right, but it's not what social media virality claims they said. Things that are actually said and are argued are rarely um made viral they rarely move around what 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 made something viral is somebody will pull something out of the argument take that piece out of context say here's he is a hateful person or she's trying to look how stupid she is for saying this even though in context that's not at all what she was saying and that then becomes viral and that is what would generate the complaints so we have that problem also which is it's so much of what is misinformation is not even what the original original posting had to do with. Wow, I had no idea. That oh, makes that's, complete sense. Al totally. Almost, almost always, viral content is false. It, mm. It's 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 a, it's at least in terms of from its original source. I, I had my 
I've seen this happen so many times now I can't even count. I had my son helping me doing uh, content for Twitter and he put some things out and he watched what happens in terms of what people said about what he wrote, which wasn't what he wrote. And then what they said about what he wrote became the viral content. He, he actually stopped helping me. He couldn't stand it. It was too disgusting. It, you, you, it, it was too scary. To the, the mob behavior is so irrational and so effusive when it gets going. It, it it just is very very destructive and it's not in, so he in, quit yeah he quit because it was too it was too painful when he would just raise a question and go hey what do you think about this just trying to get some engagement you're an idiot don't you know and then that becomes mm -hmm. you're an idiot that you didn't know uh that was yeah. happening all the time and then that's then that is what somebody can take and go hey i'm gonna can complain because that doctor didn't know x and you should that's a suggest you know that doctor's competent so that's how it works, everybody. It's it's a freaking mess out there, which is why I, I'd like to see. I, you know, it seems to me a simple solution is if you actually make misinformation, you have to have some accountability and some liability in having created that. There should be some way that the liability you incur some liability when you say irresponsible things. What seems about to that me. Chappelle story about the trans woman. Yeah, that, Chappelle, that, have you seen the Dave Chappelle uh, uh, special? It. I haven't actually, but I've heard I, I, a ton about it. Right. Go watch the special, formulate your opinion about what you think he's actually saying. He's he's actually, watch the whole thing because he's building a case. I watched a criticism of him today where he was on a major newspaper outlet and the, the editorial said, I stopped watching after 20 minutes. I was disgusted. That, the, he, he builds a, he's making an argument across the entire 90 minutes or whatever it is, two hours. And at the end, he's saying something very, very specific. He's, he's telling you why he went through all this painful material. And if you don't get that, you're not listening, number one, and you're not thinking, you're just reacting emotionally, which is hysterical, which is histrionic, which is I'm a fearful nitty. That's where we've gone these days is into histrionic traits. Mm -hmm. And what you will notice how far the commentary that's out there is from what he was actually saying. Just take take a look at that. It's a good example of some of this stuff. And maybe you'll agree with some of that. You know, we'll agree with some of it because he goes to awful places. He just does. But he but he's going, he's he's a comedian pushing the envelope in order to make a point that he sort of builds towards at the end. And it's it's challenging. I I'll grant you. I understand why people are upset, but it's not it's also on brand for him though you know yeah like yeah what that is dave chappelle right. i mean what this was expect? i thought this was particularly interesting because he was saying mm. something at least i heard something very very specific and uh not wrong by the way he's a and, lot smarter than i thought he was oh my god well he's a genius and that's that's that okay Nate, thank you so much for uh, raising some questions appreciate not it that I, I didn't think it was smart but i just i re he really he really dug deep and it was, it was intense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I had nightmares last night. Uh, Kelly, go ahead there. You did have nightmares last night too. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Can hey, you, you hear are. me? I do now. Okay. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. My name's Kelly and um, you were speaking with Ryan earlier and I, you know, I heard Ryan make a statement about what you guys were talking about suicide. And he mm. said, uh, you know, where are the parents? And all Oh, of this? yeah, well, I, I sort of I sort of I sort of stepped aside from that comment. But go ahead. Have yeah, at it. Hey, I think <laughs> it's a valid question because I think it's one that I'm seeing repetitively, especially after well, uh, at the 
the Facebook whistleblower or Francis, you know, yeah. when she spoke the harmful content, it really should come as no surprise to anybody in here that this was happening. But, um, anyhow, uh, my son actually, uh, uh, died by suicide, mm-hmm. uh, last year. Um, and what I ran into and what I have been dealing with for the last year and a half has been the biggest nightmare. You would never even believe it. Yeah. Anyhow, um, I uh, would, you know, like to let you know that I have spoken with Blackburn, Warner, Wicker, Cruz, Cornyn, Fletcher, Holly. I mean, Fletcher's a state representative over here in Texas, where mm-hmm. I'm at. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he happened to run into a website that, you know, was encouraging it very much so. And I've been for the last year and a half just gathering up victims so, you know, we can make a case somehow. And, uh, you know, what I am seeing on Facebook, like in these suicide prevention groups, because I've been studying those as well. Like who's who's moderating these? Right, right. Who's making what, these decisions? What is going on? That's a, yeah, that was my first intro. Are you are you have you gone to any uh, patient centered advocacy groups like the NAMI National Alliance for Mentally Ill? Oh, yeah, I, I, okay. that was one of the first things I okay. did. I, okay. I, Eric Bauer, who helped shut down uh, Backpage, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that website, but mm-hmm. that whole takedown ended up leading to uh, FESTA-SASA, which is federal regulation. I'm really working and hoping that we can actually get some type of federal regulation against encouragement of suicide. Um, initially I was very heavy into section 230, especially if you go into section 230, see Jason, I know Jason, I'm the one that called him and he's really helped me, you know, kind of along the way, understand like the legal, because I'm just a mom here. I have been swooped into a tech world. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I, it's hard to kind of, you know, understand all of this, uh, the way yeah, all you of know, that works. Um, you- you know, I'm I'm noticing right now, and if you guys are following Michael Schallenberger, but he has been building advocacy for parents of children that have died fentanyl overdoses, and that's the way he's going at homelessness, and it's it's working. And it seems to me yeah. that you could have a similar model here: uh, parents of children who were materially harmed by social media. Well, yeah, but I, I want yeah. what what is Facebook? doing with these Facebook groups. I mean, they have all these mental health. If you go in there and you join those groups and you look at what's happening, that is the worst. They go in there and these people are private messaging them. I mean, people like predatory people are messaging these people taking, I mean, it's that they, there's no tech. I sat in a Twitter space the other day for two hours and listened to the world health organization and two other, uh, you know, very, you know, large organizations. And when the question was asked, what app can I use if I'm feeling depressed? Where can I go if I'm feeling depressed? It was crickets. Nobody knew anything. And, you know, there is a huge gap in technology for people. I mean, here we are, we, we can see the direct correlation between social media. I mean, internet usage really as a whole and depression and anxiety. And there's this huge neglect for the people that are yep. becoming victims yep. by the way this just this isn't just children this is also adults. yeah it, it, we will so, we will look upon all this the way we look at tobacco now there's no doubt in my right. mind this this will Good. be the tobacco of the future but i don't know what we're gonna have to go through to get get this thing tiger by the tail i i just keep thinking that people need to be held accountable 
Well, they do need, and I am actively searching for the people that are like, you know, behind this little shenanigan on my, on, on over here. But um, I mean, I'm just speaking more in general terms and not so much specific to my situation mm. because, you know, my son had just turned 18. Mm. I mean, he, you know, he, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, people say, well, where's the parents? Well, have you tried taking the phone away from a teenager? Right. I mean, th there's only, that's especially. That, yeah, no, listen, I would, that was, I know you're going there, Kelly. And then this was, first of all, I am so sorry you're going through this, but I'm so grateful that you're taking it as your challenge as your crucible to carry, because your son will, if, if you keep going, this will not have happened in vain. It will give you a source of meaning and saving others. It is, right. it is, a, it is an amazing thing you are doing. Um, as it pertains to taking the phone away, I have colleagues that work in this field uh, that the, the, they're literally, if you, if you want to know a good website, it's uh, uh, dcakids.org, Digital Citizen Academy, dcakids.org. And she has lots of resources there for helping schools and people about dealing with, with the digital safety. And in her family, she has two teenage kids. Her kids are given the phone and have been since they were kids one hour a day, one hour a day. And that's it. And that's highly monitored. And you have to start that young. It's hard. That is a, it's only, you, you have to have seen catastrophes to, to have the motivation to, to fight those fights. The average parent just doesn't have that. It is impossible right. to get the phone away from them. I understand that. And that's what I wanted to tell Ryan. But I thought intuitively, I'm not sure he has kids. I'm not sure there's a good discussion for right now. But uh, Well, I think it's, I'm glad he said that because yeah. I think that, a lot of, I mean, it, because it needs to be talked about, you oh, know, yeah. and so I'm, Oh, well, yeah. really, I'm, it has to start when they're younger, though. I you think know? that's right. And, that's and right. you know, like, right. Um, and it, right. It, it, the, it, the lion is out of the cage. Like when our kids were little, like I, I was the monitor for all the parents because I could use a computer and I, I had, I was friends with all my kids' friends and I would keep an eye on everybody and, you know, they knew it. I but, will never forget. I will never forget. It was seventh grade and I raised my hand at a mm -hmm. parents meeting. I said, how long should because our kids were on e-bombs world and snapchat or not uh, uh myspace and things i was and i said how long do you think is healthier for a child to be on a computer and the response was that's a very personal decision every family needs to make that individually and i thought you're telling me how many hours to sleep how many hours of homework how many hours of how many minutes of television and this is the <laughs> one thing i don't know how long to monitor and that one's a personal decision i will never forget it it was the worst i hope i and it was somebody i really respected that said that to me too and i hope she feels to this day guilty about that because they should never have sidestepped that we, they, we had an opportunity to really go at it when this is now that would have been like 2005. Half the and, parents didn't even know how to use a computer. Yeah, Susan was the only one. Susan, <laughs> just, just, so she was the hall monitor for the entire class. I was. Uh, well, and another thing is it makes it really hard because I've spoken with, the, you know, this one guy that's running Bark, which is a, you know, an organization that helps parents monitor their their children's internet use to yeah. see, you know, what, what they're using. And th these these kids, they know all about VPNs. Oh, yeah, of and course. So, they're very, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot harder to understand now. They probably the, would be the onion router and they're on their the phone. It's the like phone, the seventh grade it, math. Yeah, that me. was, I would, well, I, he told me that it's so hard because Google and everybody makes it so hard for them mm -hmm. to even help the parents. Like if you, if a child goes to create a Google account and they can see that a parent's trying to access it, he's had, he, there's such a way, like a lot of them where yeah. Google will go email the child and say, just to let you know, you know, you're in a place. 
really? Oh you know, dad so, is. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, yeah, that's wild. Sorry. Well, it was it was a, a lot easier to monitor back then. Well, no, no, listen. I, if you um, no, this is intense. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I, send I, Susan an email. Uh, uh, identify yourself at contact at drdrew.com. So you guys can kind of link up, and if there's stuff we can do to help you, please. And yeah, call and on me. also Lisa. Is... Lisa Strowman, who I'm doing a little presentation with her in about a week. And that's the woman I was talking about. D- at digital, what was it? DCAKids.org, Digital Citizens Academy. Um, okay. But but do do hook up with us. I I I I, I, I see a potential in your cause that because it's it's these narratives that people hook onto that makes the American public go I, enough enough already. I can't stand it. I can't, I can't hear about this. It's too painful. We have to stop. Well, this. I contacted Google after this happened, right? I contacted and lo and behold, there's no way to even contact Google. You can't report the page or anything. So me being me, I'm on Twitter trying to find out, well, who's who and all of that. And, you know, Jason will tell you, I've definitely gotten myself involved with the higher ups. I mean, one of them being AFSP. Uh, and I'm not going to say his name, but in DC, mm. I told him what was going on. I spoke with him for an hour and he would promise me that he was going to help me. He knows all the senators. He knows this, he knows mm. that. I was begging him. I was like, please, I need a break here. I can't do all of this by myself. Right. It, Cause right. I was you know, explaining right. to him what was going on. You need, Never to, build heard a, back. You need to build a coalition. And, and, right. and there are now also parents that have lost kids to drug dealing on Snapchat. So that's, 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 that's been going. Yeah, I that's know. Been I know. And that's the other way. Constitution in. and everything yeah, oh, else. I don't know about Oh, that. everything. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's rampant. I mean, all you got to do is go to Twitter, type in a certain hashtag. You'll see children advertising themselves on there to go and direct them. I mean, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. This is everywhere. It, it's, it's this, be, even before this happened with my son, I was very concerned. I was very concerned with the social comparison that he was doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kept telling him, Junior, this is not real. You're looking at things that aren't real. You mm-hmm. cannot, that's not the way life is. Mm-hmm. Well, now look, now look at what we've created. And, you know, I'll just, I'll stop there. But um, I, I just feel like it's really important for mental health specialists. Like we need them to really step up and, and look at what's going on. and and. And, and we need to have places, you know, I was listening to the global safety, uh, head of safety for Facebook. On, I watch all of these hearings, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was listening to her tell, I forgot what senator it was, that when people are suicidal, that it will redirect them and they can talk to a live person. That I, That is that is simply not true. I, I've been doing this for a la- the last year and a half, day and night. I've lost right. my job, you name it, doing this. and. That, that that's not what happens. No. I, I have never seen that. So it, it, it's, I don't know, but we need to get, you know, more involved as uh, just, you know, in the whole advocacy and, and making sure that these people that need help, they get it. I don't know what to do. I, I've, I've listened, Dr. Drew. And, well, and there's, I've, believe I've, me, there's <laughs> layers and layers to this. How, you know, where do we get the help? Who, how do we provide the help? How do we fund the help? There's a lot of stuff, but a lot I've, of layers to this. There's a lot of red tape to even yep. moderate, you know, this right. stuff. And it's like, right. you know, so I, I, I do agree with you a hundred percent, a thousand percent that suicidal people do need a place to talk, but it needs to be safe. Yeah, 100%. Uh, they need to invest some technology yep. into like when they go into these rooms, they have to be moderated. 
by a professional and they need to automatically go into anonymous mode when they're in there. So they can't be contacted. I mean, I have a whole slew of ideas, but anyways, I do, I definitely will contact, uh, you said contact at drdrew.com. Yeah, contact. And, and, and then the website, I just looked it up. It's not DCA Kids anymore. Now it's digitalcitizensacademy.org. Digital Citizen, okay. oh, no, singular, singular, digitalcitizenacademy.org. All right? Okay. Thank you so much. All right, listen, we'll stay in touch and uh, good luck with all this. It's, it's somewhere. Maybe it's a some... shorter name. That's hard to remember. I, I, Digital <laughs> Citizens Academy. Is it? Susan. No, it's not citizen. Is it singular, citizen? Or... Singular, singular. Oh, Digital Citizen, citizen Academy. Academy. All right, can I put you back in the audience? Thank you. And I'm going to end the, uh, the uh, clubhouse room right now. Thank you all for having joined us here and for uh, listening and being great so questions. attentive. Great Thank questions. You. Good participation. Very interesting uh, material today. Thank you so much. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with uh, Mark Robert, who's a journalist uh, longstanding with a lot of interesting ideas. We're going to pick his brain a little bit. And uh, I believe we'll be back in the clubhouse uh, a week from tomorrow. Susan, is that about right? We don't yeah. know the guest yet, but it'll Today. probably be Wednesday. We'll be Tuesday Wednesday. next week. We'll do Ask oh, Dr. Drew. Oh, Tuesday next we week also. We moved all our asks to Tuesdays so that we could do it every week at the same time. Okay, because we're traveling a bunch this this coming up. So that was a the lot. thing. Yeah, a lot. We're traveling a lot. A lot. Says. So we're ending that room. Thank you so much. We love you, but we have a lot of work to do. Okay. <laughs> in terms of... But we will get the streams in. I, I talked to Ken today, and he told me we are obliged to three a week, and it's very important we do that. No. Three, two. three, three, <laughs> three right now. Uh, so we'll make it up. Don't worry. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so on the restream, I'm watching you guys and thank you, Caleb, for producing today's show and ask Dr. Drew. We appreciate it very, very much. Hey, Hitler, Tom's out there. I see you and pay no attention to the Hitler we're gonna references. Go, we're going to go see uh, Christina P. And there's going to be in Austin. A reunion on Thursday. Thursday. We're leaving. And uh, look out I mean, for that <laughs> on, on uh, Dr. Drew After Dark, your mom's house. Uh, we'll see where that ends up. Uh, more After I get over my my uh, COVID booster shot. Yeah, I, I, I was so glad you did it on Monday because I was afraid you'd be dragging. Yeah, I I'm a little tired. I'm a uh, little. I forgot to push record, so now Caleb has to do more work for the podcast. But and if you yeah. want to listen to the show in podcast form, form you can find it on iTunes or you know wherever you listen to your podcast. Ask Doctor Drew. Fair enough, Caleb. Share if you care. We how's love How's the baby, you. Caleb? Oh, he's doing so well. He he show, slept a full night. Can you show us a picture. Uh, oh, wow. snap. I don't, oh, that's a big do I have move. one ready? I don't know if I have one ready. Do, do you shoot. have anything to say about what we just heard, by the way? Because you're a digital wizard and anything mm. occurred to you about the conversation we just had? I, it's, it's, now that it's you just have such a child. A, yeah. It's such a struggle because it's like, I, I know my opinion is going to change based on the technology that is available whenever my child gets mm. older and starts using it i feel like it's going to be vr mm. stuff and it's going to be 10 times as dangerous as as what they have now mm -hmm. but i i it, i get stuck between where it's like i want everyone to have total freedom of speech but also some of that yeah. speech turns out to be so dangerous and i i don't know where the solution is i try to find a solution but i can't why not why not put the liability on the people who say it like we like everywhere else in the world you know everything we do you you're you're held accountable for things you say that hurt other people why can't right. we do that on the internet it, it would seem it's that that would make sense me, huh? that would seem like it would be the uh the thing that would work but it's uh yeah everybody has different opinions on what's good and what's not everybody's yeah. opinion is so different yeah. that it's like well that seems to be what facebook is trying to do they're trying to moderate <laughs> things based on I don't think they're trying to do anything harmful. I think they're just trying to moderate stuff based on what they believe, but they believe things differently than 
all the other half of people that are out there posting the stuff. Right. So it's, 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 it turns into a slippery slope, but then do you want to just allow people to say things free for all? And there's always platforms. Right. It's like, I think of, for example, it's like, you know, places like 4chan where it's, it's these internet forums that they start out and it's complete free for all wild, wild west. And yeah. even in these dark yeah. corners of the internet, some people go too far for them and then they have to start adding rules. And the moment they add one rule, it's no longer the wild west. It's like YouTube used, YouTube used to be the wild west. It was free, free speech. Everybody, you came from television and radio over to YouTube because you could say things on YouTube that you couldn't say anywhere else. Now YouTube has right. become more more legitimate. They've tried to set all their rules. And now you have to hop over to other platforms because YouTube is now, it's just gonna, it, everybody keeps on having to hop further and further out to the wild west. <laughs> But but I would argue the Wild West was not the Wild West forever for a reason. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. It, it, I mean, that, it, that's it, what un, happens. Uncivilized. Wild West is synonymous for uncivilized. <laughs> you know, you right. know and then uncivilized behavior, not a good thing. Not generally a good right. thing, I'd say. So Right. So um, it's uh, as I, I get I, older, I, the more I, you know. YouTube, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. His dog's barking. I, he's in the cage, but um, he's been there for a while. It's not like he was out. Yeah, Here he maybe. comes. He is not in the oh, cage. <laughs> so I guess he got out. Uh, all right. We will wrap this thing up. We thank you By all. By the way, everybody, I had the third vaccine and I feel fine. I was just a little sleepy at about two o'clock and I needed a nap. Yeah. She's doing, she's actually doing better with the third vaccine than with the second. It's the same. Say. It's not different. The same. Which I is feel like almost, shit like this all the time. Almost anyways, nothing. So it doesn't matter to me. Almost nothing. I, I, I'm good. I'm just glad I got it over with. Fair enough. Me too. And I had today to just chill. Okay, guys, we will see you tomorrow at uh, 2 o'clock well, or 3 o'clock? 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock? Oh, tomorrow's 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. See you tomorrow at 3. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Hey.